You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Well, thank y'all for the worship. Amen. Man, it's uh, great, uh, great to be in here with you. Well, I'll tell you what, nobody fell asleep at the outdoor service today. <clears throat> Not even my feet. Oh, goodness, it is great, uh, like I say, to be with you today. I want to invite you to go ahead and find your place in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. This morning, I, I want to talk to you about something that might be a, a I don't want to say new, because it's nothing new uh, in Scripture. We just, it might be new to us. Maybe, maybe just a new, looking at it from a different perspective, maybe that would be the way to say. We were, we were not uh, long ago in Colossians chapter 3, but I felt led to go back here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. We're going to just look at verses 1 through 3 this morning, but I, wanna just, I want you to just hear all nine verses. Uh, and so as we read this, uh, our, our message today is heavenly perspectives on earthly issues. In other words, you and I need to hear from heaven. Would you agree? I, I, I wanna, we want to hear from heaven, so let's, let's hear from heaven this morning. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible reads like this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Father, I ask you again today to take your word and to impact our lives for eternal good. In Christ's name, amen. Heavenly perspectives on earthly issues. I've been asked about a, um, a couple of things over the last week or two. Uh, I think that it's God's Word prompting this. And these are questions I even ask in my own heart sometimes. And questions like about forgiveness and about how to love people, you know, when you've been done wrong or when you perceive that you've been offended and you know, how, how, do you, how do you work through that? And, you know, and then many other things that go along in those, those same lines. You know, how do we live in a wicked world? You know, we, we see the world and we say that the world is waxing worse and worse. And, you know, how do we, how do we live in this world? Well, I want to start this with something that might seem elementary. It just might seem like it is a base level thought. But I want you to know that heaven and earth are two different places. <laughs> that heaven and earth are two different places. Not just in geographic location, two different places, 
but they are two totally different places that hopefully you would agree that this is not heaven on this earth, that the earth is not all that there is, but that heaven is a place where things are completely different, that things are, are, are different there and, and in a large degree different. As a matter of fact, all things in heaven are right. All things are right in heaven. That there's nothing that's wrong in heaven. That's pretty contrary to the earth that we live in, but take that thought and let's, let's go with it for a minute. First Corinthians 1 verse 20, it says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Uh, speaking of the sovereignty of heaven, and see the contrast? You say, where is it at? Heaven and earth. But where is God at? I know He's everywhere all the time. I get that. But where is God seated on His throne? In heaven. And so God in heaven, and He says that He is um, confounded, or God has made foolish the wisdom of what? This world. And then he, we look at the security of heaven in Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a, I want you to remember these verses as we go through the text because he says that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. There, this synonymous, where your, your, your possessions, your most valuable things in your life are, there is where your heart is. And he says, on earth, moth and rust destroy, thieves steal, but in heaven it's not that way. In Revelation 21, verse 27, we see the sanctity of heaven through the eyes of John on the Isle of Patmos. And John said of heaven in verse 27, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's almost as if there is a guard set up in heaven. He said that there is nothing that is going to enter heaven that defiles, nor causes an abomination or a lie. So heaven is a secure place. Heaven is a place different than this earth. As a matter of fact, without heaven, all things are wrong on earth. And I'm going to justify my statement here in just a moment, but I want you to think about that, that on earth, without heaven, all things are wrong here on this earth, without heaven. Romans 5, 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. And we would agree, I believe, within this building, and maybe online today, that we would agree that all men are fallen, that, that people will let you down, that, that you and I, even in our own flesh, that we are depraved outside of Christ, that, that we are, our, our nature is sinful. The Bible says that all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. We know that, none righteous, not one. And we realize that our righteousness in our flesh is but as filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God our Father. And so we know that, that there is this, there, there is this depravity that has invaded the life of human beings. And we know that it came in the fall of Adam. We, we get that, but so many of us sometimes will even turn to the creation. And we'll, we will see the creation and say, well, man's ugly, but the creation's beautiful. 
There are people who think animals are greater than people because they don't have to interact with them exactly like they do with people. If you could only know what your animal might be saying about you, you might change your mind but sometimes. But, but nevertheless, uh, we, we look sometimes, we look at the creation, and especially this time of year, many people over the last few weeks and, and will over the next week, they'll be headed to the mountains we'll, to see the leaves and see the autumn colors and, and see the, that beauty and just in awe look and see that, that, that it's just such a, such a beautiful sight. And many will look to trees and to even flowers this time of year that have such vibrant colors that are different than those springtime flowers. And we watch eagles soar in the air and we look around and we go, wow, look at this. Isn't this such a magnificent place? And don't get me wrong, the creation, the, 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 the firmament, it declares the glory of God in its creation. But don't ever miss this. In Romans 8, 18 through 22, <clears throat> he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected, subjected it in hope. Because of the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. I think it's a beautiful picture of the fact that even though we look around and we see the beauty, beauty that God has created, don't ever forget that not only are we fallen, but the creation has fallen too. And the creation groans and travails with birth pains, the Bible says. Many times we look at other people and we say, if I had their life, everything would be okay. If I could live their life or I had their income or I had their uh, resources, if I had their husband or if I had their wife or if my kids acted like their kids and we will look and we will go, but don't you ever forget that no matter how good something looks like looks on this earth, it will decay. It is decaying as we speak. The flower fades, the leaves wither, and, and it all is fading away. And as a matter of fact, it is groaning and travailing, waiting on us to be redeemed. And that you and I, don't we wish for heaven? I mean, honestly, you and I, will, uh, we will often just uh, say that, I, and I have said these words myself, I, I just, I'm looking for the day that I won't have any more suffering, that there won't be any more misunderstandings and all these things will be gone away. I'm looking for that transformation, that day. That, that things are going to be different, that things are going to be uh, not as they are now, but things will be, be perfect. Just as we said earlier, that there's nothing wrong in heaven, but here on this earth it's so different. And we think about the fact that it, there can be heaven on this earth. As a matter of fact, I'm not a, one who subscribes to everything that Wayne Dyer says by any means, but, but he did say this, and I, I would have to say that this is a statement that caught my, caught my eye. He said, heaven on earth is a choice you make, not a place you must find. That there is a potential for heaven here on this earth. That does not mean that this earth is going to turn into heaven until God remakes it. Not that you and I can turn it into heaven, but we can bring heaven down to this earth. As, as a matter of fact, there is hope, a, a type of or form of or glimpse of heaven actually on this earth. Uh, we put our minds to the Scriptures and we find that. 
does the Bible not say that, and, and it's blowing my mind that just within, I, I think somebody posted within 10 weeks Christmas is going to be here. Oh, I can't, <laughs> can't even fathom that in my mind. But yet, when we celebrate Christmas as born-again believers, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. That God came to this earth in bodily form, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem's manger, and heaven, we would say, came down to earth. That there was actually that heaven on earth at that time. And we know that as believers that you and I are actually now, I will say little Christ, but we are imitators of Christ. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. And that He has given us His Spirit. When He ascended into heaven, He did not leave us as orphans. He gave us the Comforter. He's given us His Word. And when you and I bring glory to God through the, through the changed life that God has made in us, to a degree, if you think about it, this is actually heaven. We are bringing heaven to earth. When we love somebody like Jesus, we have brought heaven to earth. When we forgive like Jesus forgave, we bring heaven to earth. When, when we do charitable deeds for others, when we share the gospel with others, when, when we do those things, when we are faithful to God, when we, we are in God's will, uh, carrying out God's will for our lives, heaven is being brought here to this earth. Now, citizens of heaven long for the peace of heaven. I think that goes without saying, but I, I believe we need to set this stage this morning. That citizens of heaven long for the peace of heaven. In other words, you and I long, just as I said a minute ago, to be with God. If you're a child of God, you should have a longing within you to be with God and to, to be free from all the burdens, all the pain, all the sufferings. And I believe everybody would amen that. You know, yes, I want heaven. We want the peace of heaven. J.I. Packer said, To know God's love is indeed heaven on this earth. And, and so I want to look at a couple of things in our text. Look at verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So you and I, even in this text, there is a distinction between heaven and earth. You and I are to seek the things which are above. That is in a different place. That is in a place that is governed differently than the place in which we live. That is a place that is free from all of the decay, all of the depressions, all of the anxieties, all of the, 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 the turmoil, all of the misunderstandings, all of the cancers, all of those things. We, we desire that those things are above. He says that we are to seek those things. It is, an, it is a present tense verb. It literally means that we are to keep seeking, that we are to continually seek after. And then when you have that verse that we know that you are to ask, seek, and knock. You are to continue to ask. You are to continue to seek. You are to continue to knock. But in our text, we are to keep seeking. So every day of our lives, God is commending to us that we are to seek. Where do we seek those things? In the Scriptures. So in the Scriptures, we keep seeking and keep seeking and keep seeking. How, where do you seek for your answers? Where do you seek for your wisdom? Where do you seek for your counsel? Do you seek it from a human being? Do you seek it from the ways of the world? Or do you seek it from His Word? Uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, 
that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, out of worldly ways into heavenly ways or godly ways. Who once were not a people, but now are a people of, are the people of God, and who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And then he says, Beloved, I beg you. Those are very strong words if you think about them. He says, Beloved, I beg you. As sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And if I can say this, I beg not only you, but I beg myself as pilgrims, as sojourners, to abstain from fleshly lusts that war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, the lost people, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your own good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, if anything is said of us as children of God, if anything said of us, it would be said that we were glorifying to God. We were imitators of our Father, of Christ. We, we would emulate the glory of God here on this earth. In other words, they would say that they are acting like people who are citizens of another country. They act differently than this world. As it tells us in the Gospel of John that we are not of this world, even though we are in this world, we are not to be of this world. And we are, that God has brought us out of this world, but that he, so He has changed us. We are no longer citizens of this, this world. We are now citizens of His kingdom. We are citizens of heaven. Ephesians 2, 19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And, and so we, we realize that our home is in heaven. And we, through the union which we have with Christ Jesus, or in Christ Jesus, exist to a degree in the heavenly realms. That you and I, we, we say this, and we, we think sometimes it's like, is that really true? How do we war? We do not war against flesh and blood, but what, church? Against, come on, church, principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. Where at? Heavenly places. That's exactly right. That you and I, in spiritual warfare, we're not warring against things here on this earth. We're not warring on this earth. That you and I are citizens of a kingdom that we've not seen yet. We have, we have the Scriptures to tell us, but the Bible also tells us, as I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man, what God has prepared for His people. That you and I war against flesh, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in heavenly places. That you and I are seated in Christ Jesus right now. That if you are a child of God, spiritually speaking, we are seated in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ at? He's at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God. Where is the throne of Almighty God at? It's in heaven. And so when you and I war against principalities and powers, we bring the power of heaven down to this earth. As a matter of fact, the characteristics of Jesus Christ, just to name a few, are tenderness, kindness, meekness, patience, wisdom, forgiveness, but don't miss strength and purity and love. Yes, Jesus Christ got crossed with some people here on this earth when He was here. Most of the time, and let me just throw this out there, He had more problems with religious people than He had with secular people. He had more problems with people that professed to be followers of God than He did with people who didn't profess to be followers of God. Now, even take you to the lady who has been caught right in the very act of adultery, but don't you 
Forget, Christ did not go drag her out, even though he knew exactly what she was doing. That was the religious leaders that went and drug her out, just so that they could promote their agenda with what they were doing, to use her as a spectacle to try to trap Christ. Christ knew everything that she was doing, but understand, it was religious people that Christ had his most problem with. And I think that we have perversed the name Christian we have, we have made perverse the name evangelical. I think it's better suited that we be what the Bible calls us to be, and that's disciples of Jesus Christ. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ, or are you just somebody that professes Christianity and uses it for your own good? You see, because disciples are learners. It's those that are seeking after, continually seeking after things above and not things on this earth. Did you know that this is a heavenly book? This book was inspired by God over many years through many authors placed together by His precious divine will. And there's not an error within it. And everything lines up just as it ought to. You take that many authors over that many years and try to put together a book together yourself and just tell them to write whatever they feel like writing and see if the book comes together. You, what you will find is you will find a, a lot of truth about what the human heart is, conceitedness, conceit and, 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 and self-pleasing because they will write what they want to write. But these writers that pinned this book down did not write what they wanted to write. They pinned down the very words, the very heart of God. This is God speaking to us here in this text. And so do you seek after heavenly things out of a heavenly book guided by a heavenly Holy Spirit? The life and Works of Jesus Christ laid before us and the power of God in it. <clears throat> 1 John 2, 15, 2, 15 through 17. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'll repeat that one more time. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. In other words, all those things that are done here on this earth that are heavenly things will not pass away. They will endure forever and ever and ever. Did you know that and we, we, we like to claim a lot of these things, but I, I would encourage us to claim them rightly. Every tear that you've ever cried for the glory of God, where you were seeking the will of God, where God's righteousness was at the forefront of your heart, and every, every bit of abuse, every bit of abandonment, every bit of, uh, every bit of um, oppression that you uh, face here on this earth, persecution for the glory of God. Every tear that's ever been prayed for those are bottled up in heaven. They've not been wasted, not one single one. I just wonder in our lives how many tears have actually been shed for, for the glory of God versus for the glory of man. So Christ is there in heaven. And then I want to get to this place, and this is kind of where I want to settle in for just, just a moment to finish us up. Citizens of heaven live as though they belong in heaven. Now, I started to write down that citizens of heaven should live as though they belong in heaven. 
But I want us to strive for the upward call. I want us to press in. Listen to what he says in the text, verse, well, I'll go through verse 1, back through verse 2 and 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. That word set that we have in some of our translations is once again an, a, a present tense active verb. In other words, it's we are to keep setting. Uh, you could translate it as thinking. We could, you are to keep thinking. Uh, you, you also could do it as to have our I have this inner disposition. In other words, within us, we are to have this continuous inner disposition. In other words, what we seek out in the text, we ought to live out in our lives, but the only way we're going to live it out in our lives is, to, is if it becomes a part of us on the inside. But then we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a text we know very well. But in that text, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may do what? Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you and I, our lives are to be transformed so that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God here on this earth. That we are to be light in a dark world. That, our, that our, we are to be agents of light in the darkness of the decay of this world. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, and I know that a portion of the Lord's Prayer does have a notion that is speaking for a millennial toward a millennial kingdom, but nevertheless, I think it holds true in everyday life with us. He told his disciples, when you pray, pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, help me, church, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we could go on, but hold right there for a moment. That, that, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I get to thinking, I'm like, you know, this is interesting because when I think about heaven, nobody up there is going to offend me. I'm not going to offend nobody else. And, and here, here's, here's the trip. I, I, I'm not trying to play on things, but I, 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 I'm a critical thinking kind of guy. And so I sit there and go, well, I won't have to, be, I won't have to deal with offense because nobody's going to offend me. But then again... I won't have the propensity to offend nobody either. <laughs> I mean, to, to not forgive them, I'm sorry. I won't have the propensity to, to not forgive them if they did offend me. So it's kind of a perfect place in that, that you won't offend me, I won't offend you, or if you did offend me, which you couldn't, not there, I wouldn't take offense to it because we're in heaven. And all the former things have passed away and all the things have become new. But yet he says that we are to live on earth as if we were in heaven. But wait a minute, Lord, there are people here doing things that they won't do in heaven. So God, how am I supposed to live with these people here on this earth when they treat me in a bad way that they would never treat me in heaven, but yet I'm supposed to respond like I'm in heaven? How do, how do I do this? And he goes, and I'm just, this is just... He didn't say this literally out of the text, but we'll just look at Jesus. And I, you just don't know. If it's often been said that if there's one finger pointing at you, there's three pointing back at me. 
So don't think that this don't hit me as hard as it hits you. So Jesus Christ, how did Jesus live when he was on this earth? Well, I can promise you one thing. Once again, it was the religious people that took Jesus and crucified him, not the government. The government was trying to wash their hands of it. The government said, huh, we find no, no fault in this man. And the religious people said, crucify him. He claims to be God. In other words, he's trampled on our agenda. And, and you, you know, and I just want to interject this in there. there. I've been preaching this since the pandemic started. You can go back and you can watch the videos and prove it out. But one of the greatest traps we got to be careful not to fall into as professing children of the living God is that our desire to restore America is greater than our desire to become holy like he is. You've got to understand something. If America ever was right, it was right because holy people were leading it. Because God's word was leading it. If it ever was right. I'm not declaring that it ever was what I would say right. We have to define what right is. And is right heaven? No. The United States of America has never been heaven. I'm going to say that one more time. The United States of America has never been heaven. Why? Because it's on this earth. 1776, whatever date you want to go back to, it's not ever been heaven. Has it been better than some places? Yes. And the only reason that it's ever been better than some other places is because it was trying to follow after the moral law that the moral law giver gave us. And there was responsibility for breaking the moral law. you got to understand, every bit of what made America great was not the righteousness of men. It was men holding accountable other men to the righteousness of God in the law. Don't ever forget that. Why do we have lawlessness now? Because we're not holding people accountable to the law. But does that, that does not mean that all men are right before God. It means that, that we're being, holding people responsible to what law God gave us. But you and I know that the law can never perfect a man. That the law can never set a man free. It's only but by the blood of Jesus Christ that we're set free. And so when we think about that, and we think about this whole idea of so many people that I talk to, they want to, we've just got to, our country's going to heck in a handbasket, we've got to do this, and we've got to do that. And I'm thinking all the while, no, your greatest need in the moment is that you would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That you would seek out those things which are above and not those things which are on the earth. That you would set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. You see, because I've told this since the pandemic that my faith is not in some government that's been elected on this earth. Not in a president, not in a congressman, not in a senator, not in a governor. And right now, a lot of eyes are on our lieutenant governor, Mark Robinson. But let me tell you something right now. The thing that makes him stand out more than anything else at this moment is that he is giving glory to Jesus Christ on this earth, which is to bring heaven down to this earth. But the day that he quits that... And I pray that he never does. But the day that he quits that is the day that he will quit bringing heaven to this earth and that he will fall into the trap of others. Why does he stand so different than the governor? Because at this moment it seems that he de desires to bring glory to God. 
Can I ask you a question? Why is it that you don't look much different than other people? If you don't, why is it that we don't look much different than other people? Stand out so much so that the media can't keep their eyes off of us because we won't put up or shut up. Yes, Jesus ran into people. He stood for the truth. But once again, you'll find that when you stand up for the truth, you're going to have more trouble with people that profess to know God than you will with people that profess not to know God. C.S. Lewis said, if you aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in, but if you aim at earth, you'll get neither. Hebrews eleven sixteen says this, But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. They desire a better, that you and I desire a better. And I think that that's the truth. We could, we could easily say that we want to be free from this. Or even on this earth, we desire, we should desire a better life here. But the only way that we'll ever have a better life here is not by electing somebody new. The first thing we've got to do is we have got to change our ways what we are seeking after. It is so easy in the day and time that we live in to read more things about what's going on on this earth than things that are going on in heaven. I'm going to say that one more time. It's so easy in the world that we live in to spend more time learning about the things going on on this earth. There are people right now that have done enough study and they could probably write a doctoral dissertation on epidemiology. But how many people have ever spent that much time searching the Word of God? You know, you know why? We want to change everything else, but we don't want to change us. We want to change everybody and everything else, but we don't want to change us. Which leads me to a question that I don't want you to write down. I don't want quoted. I just, I just, this is a question that I had come across this week. It is not a correct statement. I want you to hear my heart, but it's just one of those teasers that I had come across my heart. And God challenged me. I didn't say that God said it. I just said it was one of those things that come across my heart. I don't like making statements that I can't stand by. So that's why I say, but I have to say it because it is the thing that shut me down through my week. I wonder if I'll be disappointed when I get to heaven. I wonder if you're going to be disappointed when you get to heaven. And let, let me preface why I say that. You've heard it said before that you, some people are just too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. That's a proverb out of the world. That's not in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Word of God teaches absolutely contrary to that. Uh, the, the Word of God would actually teach us, it does not state this verbatim, but it does teach us that you can be so earthly minded that you'll be of no heavenly good. We want heaven, but do we want heaven on earth? We want to be free from the burdens of everything that's happening to us, right? The, 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 the things that press in on us, the things that other people have done to us. We want to be free from the affliction of our bodies decaying and getting older. We want to be free from the fact that our, 
our, our hair changes throughout the years, our, our chemical makeup changes throughout the years, our eyes change throughout the years. We want to be free. And if you go to any church at all that, that even comes close to professing to be a Bible-based church and all, you can get all kinds of amens with that. Lord, I can't wait to get to heaven. And I've said it myself. I, I want to be free. I want kids to be free from people that could possibly hurt them. I want all these things. But do I want those things more than I want me to be conformed into the image of Christ? And that's why I say, to, say that. I wonder if I'm going to be disappointed when I get to heaven. And the only way, if that's possible, and I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying that when the transition happens from here to there, if I live in this world for me, if I live in this world fulfilling the desires of the flesh, if I live in those, this world, if it was possible for a Christian to live, and I believe it's possible to a degree. I don't know what the degree is. God's the judge of all. But I'm just saying, if I lived in, in, in any form or fashion for myself, when I get to heaven, that changes drastically. A lot of people are very happy living in a pseudo-control, a thought of they, the fact that they control their lives. Does that make sense? A perceived idea that, they, that we control everything. And a lot of people have had their lunch uh, basket turned upside down over the last two years. That you and I don't know. We don't have control. We don't have that. But do you get my drift? Do you catch what I'm trying to lay down here? I, I want to make sure you get it because this is the whole reason I preached the message this morning. That's what God laid on my heart. Is it going to be such a transition to heaven for you to lose all control? You see, the Bible is not cool with idolatry. As a matter of fact, there's some verses, and I think we're going to get to those in in-depth on those two. But he says... That all of this, therefore, out uh, put to death your members, verse 5, chapter 3, Colossians, which are on the earth. Did you hear what? Put to death your members which are on the earth. That must mean that we have some members that are in heaven. So we'll, we'll get to that. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All of that. Idolatry that you and I have a heavenly aspect. If we're saved, there is a heavenly us and there is an earthly us. The flesh man and the spirit man. A lot of people call it a lot of different things, but nevertheless, and, and everything that is not of the flesh is of the spirit, and the spirit's heaven, God, Christ. It's all perfect. It's His word. And when we act in accordance to that, we bring heaven to this earth. I wonder if our desire is mainly just to get free from the burden of what everybody... Let me just make this statement. I can't wait to get to heaven so everybody else would just leave me the you-know-what alone. And I mean that in a literal sense because you're either bringing heaven to this earth or you're bringing hell to this earth. But what are you doing? You know, I mean, honestly, think about it. 
I wish everybody just leave me alone because everybody just causes me so much trouble. If my husband would act this way, my wife would act that way, if my kids would act like this, if the government would do this, or my employer would do that, or the preacher would do this, or the Sunday school teacher would do that, or, or this or that, or, or, or I just, I wish I had that person's health. I wish I had this. When all the while Jesus Christ goes to the cross, and the Bible says he opened not his mouth. And, and Romans 12 teaches us that we're not to give way to vengeance. We are to let God have vengeance. He says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That we are to repay no one evil for evil. But that we are to bless our enemies. Bless and do not curse. And if God, let me just ask you this. If God is so capable... You know, ever, any of y'all ever watch these space movies? I, I'm not your judge. I, you, I mean, if you watched them, you watched them. Raising your hand is not going to, like, condemn you to hell. You're, I mean, it's already done. You know, it's like, I don't watch movies, preacher. I'm too, but hey, if you're in the loading bay in the space shuttle, the doors are closed, take your helmet off. Right? Oxygen. But if they're going to open those bay doors, better, what you better do? Better put it back on. Did you realize that everyone that ever has, has ever died in Christ Jesus, they quit breathing oxygen here. And their bodies are laid here. But they're alive. Huh? Come on, folks. Everybody that's ever died in Christ Jesus they're alive in Christ. They're, 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 alive. they're more alive now than they've ever been. More alive now than they've ever been. More free than they've ever been. Ever been. And we believe that. And we believe that God is, Christ is going to take every demon and devil of hell and cast them off into the abyss one day. And that in heaven, there, there'll never be, listen, we read it, there'll never be any infiltration of iniquity. That God is fully governing heaven and nothing's going to happen there. We believe all that, but we don't believe that God, if you are right in the will of God and somebody is oppressing you and God does not want to use, and this is important that you hear this, and God does not want to use that oppression to straighten you out. And I'll get back to that in just a second. And that God wants to deliver you out of that, that my God can do all those other things, but he cannot reach down here and straighten a human being out. Give me a break. A person? But see, what we, we need to answer the question, though, is what's going on in my life for the perfecting of my soul? That God challenging us here on this earth to, to live as if we're, we're citizens of heaven, to respond with heavenly response. You with me? Respond with heavenly response here on this earth while the oppression is going on, God, how do you expect me to do that? The Bible's got an answer. Don't you love it? 
There's an answer there. That this life is not your own. You are to live every day crucified. That you are to daily take up your cross and follow after Christ. And be Christ to the world. Jesus Christ could have never failed to get to the cross because Jesus Christ did the perfect will of God. There's not a, a Pharaoh, there is not a Caesar, there is not a, 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 a religious zealot leader that could have stopped Jesus from achieving the will of God. But when we look at it, we go, Wow, I'm glad he, he paid that debt. I'm glad he did all that for me so I don't have to suffer at all. That's how we live, is it not? That's how a lot of people portray how we should live as Christians. Is that if you'll just trust Christ, everything will be fine. When Jesus Christ himself, once again, will go back to the Word of God. And the Bible says that it is impossible that no offense should come. It does say, well, one to him through whom the offense does come, better off to have a millstone tied around his neck, cast into the sea. But that's God's business. Amen? That's God's business. And sometimes God uses people. I believe with all my heart that God used people on the face of this planet to stop Adolf Hitler. I do. Because if Adolf Hitler would have been left alone, and he would have had the open door, he... He, what he did was not even close to what he was going to do. But why did God do it? So that God could bring about, about the events that he has lined up. And we forget that. That you and I, not thinking of ourselves as pawns in his, on his chessboard, but to think that God uses men to work out an end which he has prescribed. Did you know that Jesus Christ is coming back one day? Amen. Christ is coming back one day. Do you know that that glorious appearing of Jesus Christ is not about you or about me? Uh, here again, I'm going to incriminate myself for watching the Big Bang Theory. I know there's probably a few people in here that watch the Big Bang Theory. But Amy Farrah Fowler has desired intensely to get to wear a bridesmaid gown because she feels that she's never going to be a bride, but she is going to put on her, her tiara and she is going to put on that bridesmaid's dress. And she was in, supposed to be in this particular wedding. Some things happened and the wedding was going to be postponed and she starts having a hissy fit. She's like, no, this cannot happen. Everybody's going to see me walk down the aisle. And the bride's going... It's my wedding. Why is it that we often live like we're the ones that all the spotlight's going to be on? Why is it that we live like heaven is designed for us and for our glory? When it is the glory of God that is going to be manifested and worshipped for all of eternity. And even as we speak, the four and twenty elders fall down around the throne. 
giving praise to him. And the seraphim fly about him. I want you to just put that. If you think, think about us being the king of our world and our little kingdom and what that looks like. And I'm just picturing my own little kingdom. And I think of people worshiping me, or at least me worshiping me. <laughs> and I compare that picture to the throne room. That there are angelic beings that we've never seen before flying around in fearful reverence of Him who sits on the throne, crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The Lord God Almighty, omnipotent, omnipotent He reigneth forever and ever. Glory be to His name. And when you and I stand before him, all nations and tribes and tongues, we will cry out, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and dominion and power both now and forevermore. That's why John fell at his feet as dead. And he felt a hand on his shoulder, the Bible says. And he was lifted up. And the Lord says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, I'm the beginning and the end. I am he who was and is and is to come. And I hold the keys to death and hell. And nobody takes them from me. Not even you or me. So how do we live on this earth? We live on this earth with heavenly perspectives. Where do we get heavenly perspectives from? We seek them out. What do we do with them when we find them? We set our minds on them, and our minds change our heart, and our treasure changes with our heart. Instead of our treasure being on earthly things, our treasure will be on heavenly things. There. And there, everything that you go through on this earth, in the will of God, will never be wasted. Never be wasted. As a matter of fact, there is crying out from under the throne of Almighty God right now. How long, O Lord? How long, God? Talking about sufferings of the saints, these people dying over in third world countries, being um, mutilated by uh, extremists because of the fact that they, they're, they're reading their Bibles and huddled up in places and praying and all, crying out from the throne. How long, O oh Lord, these are ones that have been martyred for the faith. I just wonder sometimes if there's not crying out going, how long, O oh God, are you going to be patient with these people in America? who think everything's about them, who don't worship you but claim to know you, how long, God, will you be patient with them? And I'm thankful to say this in both situations. Our God is long-suffering. Our God is faithful. That He might, that none might perish, 
but that all might have a chance to come to faith in Him. But there's an end coming one day. I just encourage us in this. You and I need to be found faithful to Him. Need to be found faithful to Him. And i got good news for you. My God's faithful. My God's faithful. You, you're never going to take a stripe for Him that He don't note down. You're never going to have anything that happens to you when you serve for His glory. You're never going to have anything that comes against you that God is not going to mark down and that God is not going to just, He's going to make right the wrong. My God is faithful. My God is faithful. He, he never is not faithful. My God is, is, is capable. Neither height nor depth nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come. Nothing shall ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And he just simply says, I want you to seek out. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Because you're, you died and now you're alive in Christ Jesus. And so I would just simply say this, church, let's live. Let's live with a heavenly perspective and not an earthly perspective. I'd ask you to stand with me for just a moment. If right, right where you are, if you would, if you would just simply let God's Word evaluate you. I'm not expecting, even in my own heart, I, I know that God's Word will be working on me for days and years to come as long as He so chooses. So it's not like we're going to get everything right right at this minute, but if God has, I guess to put it in a, in, a, in a perspective we could understand, if God struck a nerve, if His Word has pricked anywhere in your heart that you know that the decisions that you are making or the decisions you're thinking about making or maybe the decisions that you have made are decisions that are earthly decisions. And you know good and well what God's Word says. God, nobody can justify you if you make a decision that's contrary to the Word of God and you do it just because of your pleasure, just because you don't want to be inconvenienced, just because you don't want to suffer any, just because, but, but yet your suffering might actually be for the glory of God, but things are going to be about you instead of you making them about God and you start seeking out His glory. You know, but God wouldn't want me to suffer. Really? Yeah, He, he, he did not spare His own Son the suffering, but yet He would so preciously treats you and me so gingerly that he wouldn't want us to suffer. Before you make a decision, an earthly decision, would you seek out what heaven would have you do? What Jesus would have you do? What, what is the right decision with the Word of God? That's the only justification we can get. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can today. I'm, I will be available to tell you about the glorious gospel, how Christ died for the sins of humanity, how they put Him in a tomb, and how He rose again on the third day, how He has ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding on our behalf even as we speak, and how He would beg you to, beckon you to come to Him and be forgiven. That you would repent, believe, and trust Him as your Lord. I'd love to tell you about those things. I'll, I'll be available. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Uh, Father, as we come to you at this time, God, 
May your perfect word do its perfect work in us. May it be done for your glory, God. I know in my own life there's so many things, God, that you have arrested. So many attitudes, so many actions that I have got to address through your word. And so, Lord, would you be so kind as to allow us the opportunity to live differently knowing these things so that heaven might, there might be a little more heaven on earth because of us being obedient. A little more light in the darkness. And so God, we give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life at crc.com.